0: Today, Michal, we're with uh, an old teammate of mine, Lachlan Morton. Uh, Lachlan is uh, an Australian cyclist, and before we even hit off, I want to explain a bit to Lachlan uh, what we've been doing the last few months and what the Off-Bike podcast is. We met only last year, uh, Michal and I, here in Toronto, because that's where we are. Just put in context, we're sitting in Lachlan's apartment, and we went mountain biking earlier this morning, which is becoming a bit of a norm now with the <laughs> things that I'm doing. Uh, and We got to know each other relatively quickly and realized that actually cycling was just part of our relationship. It didn't define what our friendship became. We actually became uh, friends through all the things that we loved off the bike, Uh, but it was cycling and the bike that kind of brought us together. And through that, we realized, well, actually, we've got loads of relationships like that. And I know loads of people like that where actually the, the common denominator is the bike, but actually the reason we're friends is because of all the things we have in common off-bike uh and you have been somebody that i've uh, known for many years and i feel you i mean i felt old for a while but because i've seen you since you were really young and and coming into the scene uh and seeing your trajectory has been certainly unorthodox um yet accomplished and i know that Mikel, uh has always been fascinated by you. And so when I realized this, it was this very kind of interesting one where, where I didn't think you'd be the sort of person who would even want to talk about things because you're very close, you're very insular, you you don't like attention you. And yet this isn't about that. This is about us trying to I guess for me to ask you questions I wouldn't normally ask and for Mikael to get to know you and hopefully then people listen to this and think, well actually, oh I didn't realize that. This is super this is so much more interesting than I thought it was so yeah um, in a nutshell that's what off-bike is and so today and over I think over the course of the next 45 minutes or so uh, it's we're gonna go back to basics and and find your trajectory to where you are today and and this isn't Freudian it's not kind of deep stuff it's just literally objective how did you get from Lochland Morton in Australia playing around with his brother in the garden yep. just sitting here in his apartment in trono <laughs> yeah so yeah So over to you Mikael.
1: yeah so how, how did it happen <laughs> how did it happen <laughs>
2: man um initially it happened very quickly but it feels like a long time ago um and yeah i guess there's been a lot of turns along the way twists and turns um But, I mean, I think, like, from when I was probably 10 years old, um, I picked up road cycling and was good at it. And I decided almost then, um, well, a couple of years later, I saw the Tour de France for the first time. And I decided then I wanted to be a pro bike rider. Um, I guess that's what, that was the start of it. You know, um, which it sounds simple, but like um, from where I grew up, that was a ridiculous dream to have. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't like there was there wasn't many kids at school riding bikes. Um, this is before Cadell Evans or you know everyone at Commonwealth Bank C- can started you describe riding. Describe
1: where you grew up, like what. what kind of uh, I grew areas? up
2: in just inland of Port Macquarie, um, which is between Sydney and Brisbane and we were on um like a, a farm i guess um we weren't like farmers we had a farm um but yeah i grew up there it's like country country town australia um and we had dirt bikes um, which is ultimately what got us onto road bikes um because we were getting pretty competitive with dirt bikes and dad was into (laughs) car racing um, and we had like family friends who lived just down the road and they had sons the same age and we were so competitive that they thought we were going to kill each other (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, so basically like dad swayed us into mountain bikes um, and then there was a a strong like road cycling club Mm. um, like quite weirdly (laughs) Um, like for the size of the town the the cycling club was really big and the guy who ran it had been to the Olympics um, in Moscow and he just kind of took us under his wing my brother and I and then um, that was that it was also like when you first find something you're really good at um, and my older brother was definitely better than I was naturally um but we were both like good at it, so you just gravitate towards yeah. it, you know. And that became um my relationship with it. It was it was really about competition mm. and trying to be better than everyone and
1: particularly your brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then ultimately <laughs> so.
2: getting to Europe to race yeah. Like, you know, the European circuit. That's yeah. ultimately what it was about. Um yeah. which wrote, is a weird dream. I wrote, I wrote. I
0: remember a story um, you told me because, uh, as you said, to, I guess because it's su- such a different sort of language from Australia as well to say dirt bike is motorbike. There's <laughs> a bike so a lot of our yeah. kind of yeah. listeners won't understand that. And then farms are much different to European farms. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a t- totally different concept. And it, so would you say that you and your brother, although
2: farm owners, were country kids? Uh not really i would say we were between um like middle-class country kids definitely like we were um like dad grew up a dairy farmer um and like did well for himself and had moved back to the country um and he worked in property development um but we had like a kumquat farm Mm. um and well, actually, the biggest kumquat farm in the southern hemisphere—believe <laughs> <laughs> it or not. <laughs> um, so, like, we grew up on on a farm, uh, but that's not yeah. how yeah. Um, we made our living. Yeah. So, uh, and and we grew up like—I mean, I went to school in Port Macquarie, which is like coastal town. So, like, the kids I was going to school with were all surfers. Yeah. Um, and then I was also close to another town, um, which is actually where my wife rachel ended up huh. moving which is Warhope, which is very much country um Probably so I, I was kind of between it i guess yeah. i was never uh one or the other I, ca- I can't surf um yeah and i also can't like you know master cattle <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
0: i can describe bikes <laughs> so what, one of my favorite anecdotes i remember years ago you telling me this is because you had to land it's you and your brother getting into bikes and i don't know it started dirt bikes but then going into mountain bikes and then building your track in the garden yeah and then trying to just make it just racing each other yeah i
2: yeah. mean that's like they're my ultimate memories of riding um like we had this amazing circuit we built around our house um which was a mixture of all different terrains um and we would take the brakes off our bikes like that was the requirement <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why and then like we would like all the bikes we have we'd have to just mix, mix match the parts so someone would have a really small front wheel some big back wheel and just like mix things up um, and then yeah we would race and mm. like we lived on like a, a small like island in a river mm. um, so everyone like the other kids who lived on the island would come and we'd all, we'd all race at our house mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we, I would just have, like, so much fun. And we had, like, the biggest crashes of my life were <laughs> all around that house. Like, it was just so ridiculous now. Like, I nearly... There's still, like, I have this scar on my finger. Um, and, like, if whenever whenever I get, like, do a fingerprint, you could see, like, this big... But I basically nearly lost the tip of my finger because, you know, like, bull horns. Oh, yeah. I had them, like, hanging off the front with no thing and, like, crashed into a pole. <laughs> but it was also, like, you'd try and hide it from mum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm you're fine. like, I'm you're, fine. You know, when one's really bad. You sort of like walk around, and you're it's like, "Order,
0: brother, don't show mum because we won't be allowed to do this again." <laughs> exactly, it's like that, isn't it? Like, why are you lying in bed yeah. at four p.m.? So, so, th- and that's what kind of I, I guess is that what I find so interesting about this story is is the the origins of your love of cycling is that, and yeah. it's, and it's a very different to a lot of people. It's freedom. It's getting out. It's yeah. disappearing. And yet, you were finding it at home with your brother, totally, and just kind of actually keeping it close to home, and actually creating something that that you didn't need to run away. No, it was kind of and it which is and it's a very anomalous story in that
2: sense. And it was always like it's funny because I'm like now I'm not competitive at all, mm. but it was all about competition. Yeah, you know, even though it was like there was a lot of creativity involved with it, ultimately it was about winning yeah um which it's funny it's funny for me to think that now like that's what really drove my whole, what became an obsession with bikes yeah you
1: know and all and we need to do is put you back into a court like yeah exactly <laughs> it'll happen <laughs> yeah. without brakes yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs>
2: and,
0: and so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump slightly sideways here because the last um uh, off bike we did was with taylor and yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people from the outside would see uh, correlations between you and Taylor. Mm-hmm. And yet I think you're very different, uh, like hugely different, couldn't be more different in fact, uh, in the sense that since I've known you, uh, well, since I've known you since quite a long time now, is it, you've always seemed more like an artist that was a cyclist mm-hmm. and you've had to kind of find that balance. And with Taylor, he's a cyclist that's de- discovered art. Sure. And wants to be an artist, and you've through all the <coughs> through all this. And I, I just wondered because I was thinking about that on the ride today when we were mountain biking. Do you think that that makes sense? Yeah, I mean,
2: <coughs> <coughs> like if if I look at it from an outside perspective, like all that stuff is obviously subconscious. Mm. Um, but I think like ultimately where. I have like, had to carve out my own spot Mm. in the sport. Um, It didn't exist. No, it didn't exist. It
0: doesn't exist, effectively.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that wasn't, like, an intentional thing. Mm. Um, But I've just never... I've never found a spot um, in road cycling that I was totally comfortable with, um, no matter if I was successful or Mm. not in it. and so,
0: again, I'll just jump back again now. To we go back to where we were with you saying you wanted to be a Tour de France cyclist from his kid in the who built a track with his brother. And then this coach, this local dude to in the Moscow Olympics. But then when I met you, you were fast-tracking through. Yeah. You were, what is it, a wunderkind. You sure. You were just like kind of, you were incredibly good and you you're very humble in the sense of my brother's better and which all younger brothers tend to say anyway when they come (laughs) from them but um (laughs) but uh but it was and there was that thing when I knew it was that that conflict that you had was that there was a trajectory yeah and there was a path and it was there being laid out in front of you and all the stars were aligning and yet they weren't aligning for you
2: yeah i mean um i think i struggled with that for sure mm-hmm. like i think a lot of people saw me at like 18 and the things i was doing um and were like this kid could win the tour um mm-hmm. uh, and i hated that idea right because from that point on it was like uh, until you win the tour nothing's enough yeah (laughs) exactly um and also like i was so young at that stage right so like i kind of by the time i got to europe um as you said it felt like there was a path like laid out but my goal was to like get here and i'd sort of done that and i was like 20 yeah (laughs) you know and then it was like okay um like sort of take stock of everything mm-hmm. and you're like uh, this isn't actually fulfilling me at all yeah um,
1: especially like what the kind like of environment you came into when you went to your where did you go?
2: Uh, initially the first year I was in uh, Mallorca for a while yeah uh, and then I moved to Girona mm. and I got an apartment by myself um, because I liked my own space but ultimately, I was kind of stubborn and was just like, I can do this by myself because mm. I've always done things by myself. Um, but it was too much. Like, I was 20, yeah. you know? And also, like, I isolated myself from my family, everyone. I just kind of plonked myself here and was like, all right, this is what I'm doing um, for a few months. <laughs> and then it was like, wait, I can't do this. <laughs> this is way too hard. <laughs> um, and I, then, don't,
0: I don't like this much of my own company.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then... Uh, it became like, I guess me, um, not pushing back, I just sort of going through like a self-exploration of trying to work out what made me um, ultimately happy. And it sort of forced me to like reassess my relationships with other people, um, particularly like the people I was close with. Um, and I sort of realized I was just... A- a bit of a dickhead and like also not happy I think it, what you did what you ended up doing was 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 brave
0: because a lot of people and including me at times was like people would say you're throwing it away yeah and it was that very much because this is still you're like 21 yeah and that path laid out for you and you've got you've got that you've got some people who be like you've got something It's sure. just and I always remember when I was young it's just 10 years of your life yeah and it was like Ten years? Yeah, impossible. And it's like, are you serious? <laughs> exactly. You're like, I'm going day by day. Here. Yeah, it's like, I'm just trying to survive. No, <laughs> I, and
2: I appreciate that more now. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, me, when I did decide to leave Europe the first time, uh, like I did shut the door on that path. Mm. Yeah. Like that path is gone for me. Um, mm. and like I'm happy about it. Yeah. Now. Um. But that was a big decision to make, and I did make it kind of on a whim. Yeah. Um, and I, was,
0: I remember because we, we were teammates, and I was batting because I didn't think that our team was a place for you. Yeah. And I knew you had to either slipstream Garmin, Garmin Shark, Garmin, we were joking earlier, Garmin Barracuda, Garmin <laughs> Transitions, Garmin Shark, yeah. whatever it was. Um, it wasn't the right place for you because there was no, there was no growth. Yeah. You know? There was no kind of, it was a super cool team, but it was a super cool team if you were in your 30s yeah and you'd had a career there was not a great kind of uh there wasn't a culture of of nurturing and uh empathy well
2: really. and also like i, f- I was saying to michael like when i first came on the team there was the group of the older guys mm. so like yourself yeah christian Ryder, like and you were all my best mates on the team mm. and you were all doing your last two years yeah and like Zabriskie like a a group of people that like they were some of my best friends I guess in pro cycling Mm. um and so I kind of felt like I was I'd missed my era yeah if that made sense like I understood like what professional cycling was becoming yeah Yeah. uh, and I guess what it is now even um and that was the start of it
0: and it was that, and I still remember because I was batting hard with my sister in Brailsford for you to go to Sky. Yeah. And it was, all, and I was almost doing that as a provocation. Yeah. So you've got the decision now. You can go to that team, and that's that's. And where it the path almost lies. worked. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it was almost that pushed you then, eventually to go. It forced you to decide. Well, actually, no. Nah, totally. Not, I'm not going to go that path. Yeah. It's not me. And then I thought, and I, I and I respected it so much, and at the same time I was like, oh well. I was just sad you'd never get to race bikes again yeah and I thought it was totally gone it's
2: done yeah
0: and so what about how did you then come back so to jump your dad's you your family home is now Colorado yeah Boulder
2: yeah I went I remember I went back to um, Australia Mm. and I like worked out this deal with Jelly Belly (laughs) where like because I was like I'm done with the water and my brother was like well, I'm done with um, TV, like making documentaries in Australia. And so we'd made this weird hybrid deal um, with Jelly Belly where we could both race for a pro team, like gas off the couch. And it's funny <laughs> when you talk to Danny Van Hout who like runs the team, he to- tells the story of like him sitting in the car with my manager being like, well, you know, you can have Lachlan, but you've got to take his brother. And then Danny calling... Maddie, who's the director, and Maddie just called one guy in Sydney, and he's like, "This Gus Morton, he's like, can he race a bike?" And then he said the guy he called was like, "If he's fucking on one, yeah, he can race one." <laughs> <laughs> and then that was it. That's how it happened. And they were like, "Okay, we'll do it." Um, and Brilliant. And uh, to be honest, that's really that's what I needed. um I needed to be like. So basically, went back to your roots.
0: as you and your brother racing bikes, going for yeah, fun. And yeah, and like
2: Jelly Belly was such a bare bones. Operation mm. that it was like there was three full-time staff um, yeah. that coming from, you know, Slipstream where there was, what, like 80-something people on yeah. the team. Um, mm. So, and like half, maybe not even half the riders were paid. Mm. Um, and we'd basically go to host houses and sleep on the floor and, like, go do races, yeah. um, which I loved. Yeah. Like, it was just this total um, transportation back to why I, why I started. Um, and yeah, at that point, that's what I needed because it forced me to decide, all right, what am I trying to achieve here? Right. Like Mm. I'm an adult now and like I'm cruising around America with a Jersey covered in jelly beans, (laughs) sleeping on like host houses (laughs) floors, doing these races. Like, what are you trying to get out of this? Um, Mm. And so it kind of forced me to, um, do it all on my own terms, I guess. Um, and through that, and and during that whole period, I was, um, I got married and we moved to Colorado and Rachel and I were like, we were back living with my parents and my brother and his wife. Like it was just this, as tight of a little family group as you could imagine, like we're on top of each other. Um, it was just like such a like from a year before. It was the total opposite. You yeah. know, I was surrounded by people who loved me no matter what, and it was just this perfect environment to be like, "All right, this is your decision." Yeah. You know, which kind of gave me the freedom to 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 find my spot in in did what cycling it, was, and it took a whole year um, to give you
0: freedom or security.
2: No, I mean, it, I think the freedom came from the security. Yeah because like you kind of up until did you think it could then be your choice rather than other people's yeah my choice and also like i also realized i wasn't just judged off my results yeah um because as a professional athlete you're um you kind of live and die by your last result yeah um and you're worth
0: they are always saying you're, you're only as good as your last win.
2: Exactly, and your worth yeah. is determined on your ability yeah. to perform yeah. something physically, yeah. um, which in some ways is really nice because it simplifies your life down yeah. to like, this is you're like, well, I can race, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think because I'm fast. <laughs> um, it strikes
1: me that you always had, when I look at you, I don't know you that well, but um, sort of a almost like antagonistic relationship to society. You kind of like it yeah kind of hate it right um, and always done wi- found your own little path here and there did that start already when you went to europe because as i heard you you had this strong dream and it took you all the way to europe you got a contract you got into this super cool team and then ah not exactly me and what 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 was it that you that made you feel there's something wrong here something that i don't like so much
2: um I was just genuinely, um, an unhappy person, um, and like, I guess it just sort of, it all came to a head in one year, which was 2014, Mm. um, when I could sort of look at myself and say, like, this isn't what I want to be doing, um, and I would really, I hated training, um, i really hated when i had to go to a race yeah um it was just like my like the 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 bike itself was something that just made me unhappy uh which that's when i realized there was a problem because i'm like i love mm. riding um and i guess that was sort of the first time i like i like went to decathlon on the edge of town here <laughs> and bought a tent and like a sleeping bag and <laughs> I had like this trailer and I would just ride out to the Pyrenees and go camp out. Yeah. Um and that was like my little escape. Yeah. Um and it's like i, s- I remember when you did that and I was like, oh
0: shit. <laughs> like, it's happening. <laughs> we're, we're, we've lost him, we're losing him. But yeah. at the same time there's this sense of I think he's making his decision. But it's it's in classic lachlan way. He's doing it in such an unorthodox way. Is that he's now going to put a trailer on the back of his world tour bike <laughs> yeah. with decathlon bits and pieces and just ride out into the into the wild yeah. and go and think about stuff? And you're like, God.
2: Well, and it slowly gave there. me ownership of riding again, right? Like it allowed me to like have ownership of the way I, I rode um, mm-hmm. and what I was doing when I rode, um, and then over a a two year period of, of doing a lot more of that. Um, and like I was performing better racing. Um, but, and also I was just genuinely a happier person. Um, that kind of, that was like, it was, it wasn't like a deliberate decision to be like, I'm going to make my own path here. Um, it was just like more of like, I'm going to look at, you know, the way i ride and just own it myself sure. um, like and do the things that i i want to do yeah um
1: but it's all, it strikes me that sport you've been in it's a super uh, disciplined sport i mean you have to fit into the team you have to fit into certain yeah regimes of eating sleeping traveling you can't there's not much freedom i guess yeah and maybe that fits very <laughs> very bad to your you know what makes you happy
2: right? yeah and but uh, a lot of those um restrictions i think uh, you kind of make yourself um and then when you buy into it um you, you kind of assume it's a requirement yeah. um so you're like well i'm a professional athlete i need a coach who sets me a plan every day mm-hmm. because otherwise like i'm not a professional athlete and then you realize you're like well i, I can be a professional athlete and set my own program <laughs> so
0: like, yeah and i, I I'm 100% with you on that one. It's in a sense, I guess, I saw a lot of myself in you when I came into it and I didn't have any of the restrictions you had when you got into it because we didn't have the data collection. You could just lie in yeah. training. <laughs> right? And <Yeah. Don't laughs> tell them the truth. Yeah, You've talked a lot about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. yeah, as long as you, you race well, you it doesn't matter do what do you did that. in training.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, do, does it really help if we have these scientific... Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think there's and some people things. it absolutely helps. Yeah. And I think... Um, it helps the teams feel better about when they make decisions and justifies selection and, and, but there's so much you can't quantify and never will be able to quantify. Right. So like there's, there's, it's half the picture. Um, and I, I'd rather be the guy who can come to a race and being 20% that they never bring in training Mm -hmm. and perform like that's the way I am. Um, then be the guy who trains super well and has this amazing looking graph, and then yeah. the potential, right. like amazing potential. Exactly. So and I mean, there's guys now who can make a career out of oh, training. Potential. Potential. Yeah, one hundred percent. So and this like a, a stock on a stock yeah, market.
1: Exactly. Futures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy he like will profit. <laughs> Um
0: So, it's interesting because going on to that kind of that data thing and and that overbearing, which during that time, which I think people forget about. The whereabout system was so, was so, it was the polemic, it was the. It's it was clunky. Like, yeah, it was clunky, it was, it was removing your rights, your yeah. rights to freedom, going back to the freedom thing. And then it was around that time, it was during the jelly, jelly belly period that you and your brother decided to do thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And was that a direct kind of rebellion to all of that thing without it being. It's a lot more provocative than just going, fuck you and that system. It's actually a lot cleverer. A way of kind of tackling whereabouts,
2: yeah, in a lot of ways it was a play yeah. on that um because like we'd kind of come up with this idea of doing this right, and then mm. at the last moment, I was like, like always shit, whereabouts <laughs> like how am I gonna like what am i how am I gonna tell someone I don't know where I'm gonna be uh, and I remember before I went, I ended up like giving Rachel like instructions on how to go in there and then on numerous occasions calling her from like a ridiculous payphone at a roadhouse being like, This is <laughs> where I am. Um so it yeah it was certainly a play on that. Mm. And like the thereabouts was basically just um an escape from it was like a reevaluation of our relationship with bikes mm. and what it could be. Yeah. And like ultimately now look back at it like before we did that it's like we were using the bike for like one percent of its potential you know and even like it's kind of disproportionate because it's that top one percent um and so much of cycling i guess and the image of cycling is kind of related to that top one percent but there's the other 99 percent which is like that's where all the good shit is. That's where life is. Totally. Yeah. But yeah. for um, the
1: for the listeners, maybe we should just uh, repeat the, the, those movies. What, can you describe yeah. what they... So like are, you made uh, two, right? Or yeah. There's three, two?
2: Yeah, three. Colombia
1: and Australia. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and and the, there's been a few no, since... Yeah, yeah, yeah you been got been to Albania view. as well. Yeah, we went to Eastern that Europe, Europe yeah,
1: which yeah. was... Of course, Albania.
2: Yeah. It was basically we decided to ride to the middle of Australia... Um, in just like the off-season because I wanted to do something different. Gus wanted to do something different. Um, And it was kind of on a whim. And we went and did it. And last minute, Gus had a mate come who could sling a camera and he shot some stuff. And it sort of just like naturally became a film. Um, And Gus was working in film at that time. Uh, But it was just sort of like a like a ride that there was no intention except for the destination like getting there Mm. and it was like let's see what happens
0: what's so what's so interesting about it now is when you when you look at it look back at it so much of it i guess you guys were just there was that rebellion against the um the system if you like in many ways but then the clothes you wore are now kind of fashion
2: you know what what i mean (laughs) you were just kind of doing what's funny you were just
0: doing what the fuck you wanted yeah like bermuda like shirts denim cutoffs caps kind of it was all just literally almost a fuck you to yeah the cycling world
2: well and the cycling world wouldn't i remember at that time we were like maybe we can get um some funding because like we did it all out of our pocket um and there was no cycling company that wanted anything to do with it (laughs) so we kind of went out of our way to be like all right, we'll just wear whatever. <laughs> um, and then when we started to wear whatever, we're like, this feels great. That's <laughs> <'Cause> like <laughs> out of uniform day at school. Yeah. You're like, oh, you, why do I always wear a jersey? We, you know, like we, can, we can walk into a petrol station and look like humans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, where am I going to put all my gels? You know, you're like, oh, I don't <laughs> need gels. Like, I can just, it's fine. And then, and then yeah, also like, as we got further in outback Australia, we realized that it broke down a bunch of barriers because if you walk, walk into a pub wearing, like, pink lycra, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's ideal. just immediately you, yeah. that person's never going to connect with you, yeah. right? Whereas if you're, like, semi-casual yeah. and then, you know, they feel comfortable enough to ask you what you're up yeah. to and then the second they work out, oh, you're riding your bike across Australia, like, oh, you mad bastards, like... <laughs>
0: this is where Mikel comes in and the kind of the, the anthropological side of it and how we are, so... We create all these different social constructs of what you expect and anticipate. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's by doing that, as you said, that the. But it's funny because when I talk
1: to other professional cyclists, yeah. even Taylor Finney, mm-hmm. he was surprised by because in anthropology you would say you're wearing a mask, so yeah. you, you look at all tribes and they wear masks. There's a reason to do that, sure. which is to say, this is our group. Yeah, and uh, as for me, as looking at cycling, it's the most masked. Yeah. culture there is it's so distinct right? sure this you you, you you can say this is a cyclist this is a road cyclist this is a mountain bike cyclist this is a gravel cyclist this is a yeah. american cyclist and which is to the, like yeah.
2: there's there's things about that that frustrate me yeah you know like because people are like oh well if you're going to ride gravel you can't wear a jersey now yeah like, you wear whatever you want i yeah. don't care yeah. um, you know like <laughs> it's the same way like if i go to like there's like a, a spot in boulder where I'll take, like, my enduro mount bike, and I'm not great, but, like, I'm like, okay, I can go down some of these trails, and I'll wear full team kit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just to, like, you Super know, much. just because you like... Just confusing.
2: Yeah, because it's, it's, like, you don't need to identify... But it got just
1: goes quite deep, for example, when I was cycling with, with David, who also claims to be like a revolutionary, and so he came up to me, we were riding and said, you know, th- your glasses, you're not supposed to put them, was it inside, inside. or outside? Inside. Yeah. inside yes. it had bothered you for hours, yeah. right? Yeah. So like you almost got a headache from there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I said, what the hell? Why, why does it matter?
0: Yeah. It would like yeah. having yeah. Your, s- your socks squint. Yeah. Like if you've got a line at the back of your sock, yeah. it's, it's got to go, the, go, straight. It's gotta go straight up. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Have some self <laughs> respect. <there. laughs> <laughs> and then the whole ride's ruined for me. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, and, it's, and I think exactly, and, and I think that's what, and I'm wondering if that's what you're, you've been doing it primarily for yourself. Yeah. But actually, what you're doing is it's actually what's happening to cycling now. Because we've got all these, I call them late adopters, people getting in who, and we've spoken about this, Mikael, mm-hmm. is the joy of the rules. It gives yeah. you security, it gives you, it gives you an, an immediate social group you can bond to, Yeah, and it gives you a little, a little tribe, but then over time, you kind of might grow out of that tribe, and today we were mountain biking, yeah. and we were saying, we started in mountain biking and playing around on bikes, then we wanted to race, went to road bikes, then we dabbled in gravel, and then we were like, "Oh yeah, we used to mountain bike." <laughs> and we go back to mountain bike, and we're like, "Oh my god, this is so much fun!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that full but circle. You're also
2: allowed to do them all. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. It's not like this thing where it's like, "Well, now I'm," you know, "now I'm a road cyclist, yeah. now I'm a mountain biker." Uh, I think people get hung up on those things, mm. but I think my initially, like, I have this idea in my head of like, there's this group ride in sydney um called the caluzzi bunch and i got a lot of good friends there like but it's just the epitome of like well it was always the epitome of like that cyclist road cyclist like sort of snobbery yeah of like totally all high-end stuff
0: and that's everywhere and like if you
2: weren't in the inner circle you stood at the cafe (laughs) And, like, waited for this inner circle of people who, that like, it was supposed to go at 6.20, but it was always between, like, 6.15 and 6.30. And then, like, when these guys stood up and went, like, that's when you all went. Um, And I remember turning professional and then, like, going to that ride... And someone offering me a seat, no, I was just kind of like, like... But you see the same
1: thing with the different brands. So, if, uh, at least in London, you have you, you are either Rava or anti rava You can't wear Rava and something else. Right? Yeah, It's sort of it become it's almost like, "Oh, you're Hell's Angels." Right? Sure, it's a uniform. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a like
2: ultimately, they're not bad people. It's just no. like this culture, right? It and not and at all. it's, mm. I think. Um, but, but I think ultimately it just holds it holds, holds it cycling back. back. It's it's too big yeah. of a barrier for yeah. people to get in, involved. Completely. And it doesn't mean that like I can look at road cycling fashion and be like, Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. But ultimately you're like it's kind of elitist and it mm. doesn't like what what purpose does it serve? Yeah. Um apart I from like excluding Exclusion,
0: <laughs> exclusivity, exclusive, which yeah. I guess leads to exclusivity, exclusion, etc. Yeah, and I suppose that's uh, that leading on to kind of the next bit is you, you coming out of. I mean, actually, let's just because uh, I, I know you loved thereabouts, didn't mm. you? And can you ex- explain
1: why you loved it? Well, um, I loved it because it reminded me why, and I think a lot of other people I think. And thank you for making those movies because. I think it inspired the whole crowd who was somehow alienated by too much uh, cycling culture or or too many rules, too many, uh, that you couldn't, for example, that you you couldn't camp and ride on on, on a road cycle, right? That was, you just couldn't, right? Yeah. And now everybody does it, Or, or that you needed to have the route planned out on, some gaming uh, thing right that you yeah. couldn't just go and see where we go and so on and what i think what at least inspired me a lot with those both of actually the columbia one in very much was this idea that you can I- it's the ultimate freedom you can go anywhere right and you don't have to dress in this particular way of course you need a certain fitness <laughs> level yeah and you need but you can also you can so it was the and you, uh, the enjoyment you talked before about this one percent yeah. That is cycling and then you discovered that last ninety nine percent. Maybe you could put some words on that because that's as a viewer I think that was very inspiring. And it actually got me back on my bike. That's why that's why I love that. Yeah. That that, that yeah. You know.
2: I mean I think like um that very much captured my um I guess discovery yeah. of that. Like that wasn't um like something I had discovered then was like, let's go showcase this. That was literally me working that out for myself and also my brother. Um, And like through that process, it totally transformed the way I ride just day to day. Um, Because like before that, it was always, I went through this period where I was like, oh, I can go to this thereabouts trip but then I got to get back to training and then I got to go to race. And then the more and more trips and experiences I had like that, um, like I don't feel like I really train anymore. <laughs> I just I go right because it's what makes me the happiest. And I'm comfortable with the fact that like you don't need to prove anything to anyone. You just gotta go out there and sort of yeah. experience it for yourself. Um
1: but your the the current job you have now it, look, it seems like you're also allowed to do some weird racing and some gravel racing and stuff, which yeah. must be nice for you. Right?
2: Yeah. I feel super lucky, um, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things that uh, none of it happened by accident. You know, I didn't just like somehow get offered this job that was like, oh yes, sweet, that's the dream job. Like it's waiting for that yeah <laughs> it, took it, like it took like a little ad in
1: the paper yeah. we are looking for <laughs> yeah Exactly. who would like to race sometimes yeah race <laughs> world tour
2: also do some gravel and Matt are like I don't know how many people be qualified for this <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a good shot here find uh, <laughs> <by> my niche <laughs> exactly like Finney's retiring I'm in <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, no like it, it was like a process because after Jelly Belly I went back to the world tour Um, and I was quite happy um, because I'd done it on my own terms and I was sort of here for my own reasons Um, and then just through my uh, relationship with Rafa and their relationship with thereabouts um, this sort of idea started to to build around maybe we can combine like traditional road racing with the other cool stuff that's happening in cycling um, and like even before I, I didn't think it was going to be a world tour team but I was just like I'm in um, and well it wasn't that simple I like I, I had a conversation with Rachel and was sort of like look this is that point of like I could do the 10 years like now and I, I could be happy doing that probably um, but it would really restrict a lot of things i want to do with cycling but i could just go and do 10 years in the world tour now um or there's this opportunity yeah and it's not going to come around um and so i was just all in with it um and then it just so happened that ultimately the team it 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 fell into was ef which is garmin from when i first started uh which was this weird latest iteration (laughs) of it yeah Yeah. Um, full circle yeah yeah it was this weird um full circle yeah. exactly um and last year was the first year of like the alternate calendar um and it was it was really uh but to rewarding. explain
0: yeah, and to explain what the alternate because it's not just going out for jollies. no no and no, no it's, these, it, are, it, these are full-on things you're doing yeah yeah and it's like you're breaking world records well and <laughs> like they're just <laughs> events
2: that um are so far from yeah. a <laughs> pro road race yeah, you know like the like if you think of like three peak cyclocross like half of it's running yeah um, but and the people who do it are really good at it yeah I right mean. and they love it yeah um,
1: so what can you give li- the last y- your last season over? yeah can you give some highlights just so people understand it's not just going to the sort of France it's also yeah going to Scotland from southern England yeah okay all so the like the things.
2: the <laughs> alternate calendar we started at Kansas last year yeah um which is a 200 mile gravel race um and we had no idea what we we're in for <laughs> to be honest like everyone has this idea that like we're a world i to saw a team. the picture of you and alex and i was like we Ooh. were so, we were so <laughs> underprepared um like i woke up so like, i didn't have breakfast i just went and like there was like so many little mistakes That's kind of made. a key one but that but that was like, yeah yeah but there was like that was the intention wasn't it yeah. was to make sure we didn't bring a world tour yeah. to a team to an event that doesn't deserve that <laughs> you know it doesn't yeah. need that was a
0: controversy wasn't it? there was the kind of part of the the kind of the, the discussion was should world a team be doing that and it i think in that sense it's you did a it valid right. it's a just valid send discussion. the individuals there and do it exactly yeah. and don't
2: bring the, the bus <laughs> don't yeah. bring like swannies don't yeah. bring just turn up and enjoy the spirit of the race and yeah. then when you're in the race get out there and race it but um, mm. up until that point, don't don't bring the th- the things you're trying to escape with you, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it was great because like Pete Stetner came for yeah. Trek, yeah, and he wore a skin suit and the aero right, bars, yeah. and yeah. like he became the villain. It was great. Like, yeah, he yeah, yeah. Like oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We forgot to have breakfast, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> and then <laughs> we got a flat tire, and he yeah tactics. us anyway. <laughs> um, so Good we right. did. Uh, up, which was an amazing experience because it's it took us over 10 hours wow Um and I ended up riding the entirety of it with Alex Howes who's a good mate of mine and we came at the other end just like what the hell was that <laughs> and then everyone was just hanging out and drinking beers and like just it was just this you're not same, racing to the airport yeah exactly and, and, and then it, it you're going to talk
0: about what we just did
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally you're like and we're all still friends <laughs> like this is great um uh, and the big one for me there was the fact that like it's a lottery so anyone can enter yeah okay, so you can yeah. have like a shared experience with a uh, 60 year old lady who wrote it yeah and you can talk about this climb yeah and she took you know 20 hours to do the course and mm. that, like, that's mind blowing in itself yeah. <laughs> but um uh, just this this general energy um, which it doesn't exist in in professional sport, i don't think uh, because you're kind of part of this elite club who gets to participate, and everyone else only gets to watch yeah. and you kind of initially I think you get energy out of that because you're like, well, I'm in this sort right. of elite of course group, yeah, but ultimately you realize it's so much more fun when everyone can be involved <laughs> um. See, that was a great experience, and then I went and did GB Juro, which was an ultra race, uh, which is like the length of the UK. Yeah.
0: That looked savage. It was savage.
2: I had absolutely no idea what I was in for. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely embracing this no tactic. Like This is our plan. Yeah. We um, have no idea. <laughs> yeah. We put the bike together. You know that, David? Like, the night before the race. Um, Brilliant. Had never used any of the the camping gear or just like any of it the lights (laughs) nothing it was all new (laughs) Um, and I just took off and um, had like proceeded to just have the most amazing you know week of my life
0: people were joining you on that ride weren't they yeah Yeah. um,
2: because they can like watch your dot and then people started coming out and like I was just pulling these big shifts of riding like you know 24 or 30 hours or something um, which is just something I hadn't done before Jesus and like on this crazy terrain, the
0: weather was bad as well. Was it? Yeah, it was had some fun. rain, but
2: yeah. also just the terrain was just so tough. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just had this experience I didn't think I was gonna have. Mm. Like I thought I was gonna come out of it and be like, "Ultra racing sucks. Yeah. I never want to do that again." But yeah. I finished, and like yeah. the last day of the race, I was just like, "I don't want to stop." Oh, really? Um, you know, it's a funny thing with that because when I was,
0: I was watching, following you brief, I was following on. Socials getting brief snippets of it, and because I'm a bit of a geek regards history of cycling, etc. People forget that's what the Tour de France was. Totally, it was an expedition race. Yeah, you'd go off and you'd be on your own, and you'd be in the middle of nowhere, and you had to sort your stuff out. And there'd be checkpoints. Yeah, and now it's turned into proper competitive professional sport and start lines, finish lines, and etc. But actually, the whole essence and how the sport began, how it grew into what it was, was expedition racing I kind of almost changed like take the word ultra out yeah it's expedition, expedition racing totally yeah. and, it's, and that's what felt kind of what you were doing and it was kind of it, it wasn't new it wasn't quirky it's no. where the sport comes from yeah it's where the madness kind of was created
2: yeah well I mean yeah. that's the real history of yeah. of, of road cycling mm-hmm. um, and I just felt like at that moment i that was the first time I felt like I was like this is I feel totally at home here oh and i had this feeling i feel like i've prepared my whole life for this huh. without knowing wow yeah. um and so i had a really transformative
1: but do you get experience. over like a crisis at some point or was it just yeah no I, I cried uh, okay. um
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the second or third right. day i can't remember i had a full breakdown yeah um and it was funny because i hadn't cried for a really long time hmm. And there was, I started crying because I was frustrated with the situation, and then yeah. I just kept crying because I was like, just, just let it go. Yeah, there was just so sob. much in there. Yeah, you know, like just it, get was it, like, it oh, felt yeah. like yeah. it was, it was this weird, um, it's like exorcism. It yeah, and yeah. there was so much. Account- and then afterwards, I was like, well, this is as hard as it's gonna get. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I've, and I've just dealt with it. <laughs> so like onwards, and then it was really. Um, like on the whole, the experience was really empowering. Yeah. To realize that you can just get on a bike um, with a minimal amount of stuff mm. and just keep riding.
0: <laughs> like, just go.
2: And like, yeah. and through that process, like you can deal with a lot of things you have in your life, you know, um, because it it really simplifies um, your whole life down into just um, that ride. Being. Being totally because you can't. Yeah. If you're focused on anything outside of that, yeah. you won't can't do, you it. Can't do it. Yeah, um, we
0: spoke about it in a in a micro way. I'll get snippets. Yeah. like mountain biking for us now these days is micro snippets. We can go half an hour from here, and when you're doing it and you're doing it properly, you can't think about anything else. No. Yeah, because if you do, you're going to crash. Right, and, and it's and
2: like we don't have that with road cycling because how many thousands of yeah. hours have we spent just riding along a road? It's yeah. so it's like following mindless. a black line in
0: a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, you're just like but like the we're line. not
2: good at mountain biking well we're better than we were (laughs) we're improving since last week yeah (laughs) but like if i don't focus on what i'm doing as you saw today i crash (laughs) um so you're forced into the moment which is so great and that's i think what i've drawn most out of the alternate calendar is you put yourself into situations um that you otherwise would don't want to be mm. and and they are uncomfortable and when you are going into it you're like this is uncomfortable
0: yeah and you have total ownership of it yeah it's like it's not
2: and it's then you come out the mm. other side and you're like okay that was great yeah
1: and uh, what did you do after that uh, uh then i did, what
2: did I so i had to turn i went and did tour of utah which was a month later oh yeah and that was kind of like a big um well, it was a test within my own head. I was like, I have to prove that you can do both. Mm. Um, and I felt the pressure to be like... Yeah. I'm well, not wasting a, my time or your time. Well, just yeah. like even to just justify it to the team, mm. to be like, okay, I'm a guinea pig here. Yeah, Because I think a lot of people looked at like the numbers yeah. of GB Durham were like, he's done. Yeah, he you know, Like, he's like he's gone now. Insa- if, you, if you drew it into typical... TSS scores and stuff. TSS scores, yeah. like... The first day, I think, was 1,600 or something. Oh, my God. Which, like, yeah. it's, it's a lot, yeah. right? Yeah, um, it's like
0: four times a big day
2: training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just proceeded to do that for a week. Um, yeah. So then I, like, turned it around and then I want to... S- oh, we did Leadville, um, which was great. That's a 100-mile. 100-mile uh, mountain bike race. Um Again, like, similar to Kansas, in that, like, the community aspect is amazing. Mm. And it's, like, it's a bike go? race that saved a town, mm. which, mm. Is like, normally you feel like when a bike race finishes in a town, it's a big inconvenience mm. for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no these banners will be out of here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> like, they really wanted it there, so yeah. you have this. And it's also a, a, a town that is, like, a, a mining town in mm. the Rocky Mountains, so like, Sort of place that you don't want to wear like red normally. Yeah. Um that's a really cool experience. Um I came third there. Nice wow, got Pete. It. Got Pete back Yeah, I just buried <laughs> <a>
1: step,
2: <man>. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like We ended up in this two up uh three up sprint for second. Oh you got in this sprint. With this, this young Quinn Simmons kid. Oh, and, that's a, that's that. And yeah. Pete made the mistake of still trying to race for second. Oh. And fool. I was like not against him. Difference between second and third it's it's nothing <laughs> the difference between third and fourth to big and i was like i'm just gonna beat you <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's where the pro came
2: out the and i got him so. i just beat him like and he knew it immediately <laughs> like you'd been caught he's just like kind of like you can see he's like damn it. he got me that one that was the cancer payback um mm-hmm. and then yeah and I want to say to Utah, which was sweet, yeah, was then proof, um, it
0: proved the proof of concept.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, and it was also great because the the director who was there is Fabrizio, Fabrizio, um, who is a, is a really good director, but he's mm. very um, old school European greedy. director. Yeah, Oh, yeah, greedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think at that point, and this could just be totally my interpretation of it but I felt like he thought I was a bit of a novelty guy, like sort of there. Yeah. And then so to win with him in the car, yeah. and also like I had to use my head and like mm. race to win. Um, you could see he appreciated it. And I'm yeah. like, there we go. Got it. It's starting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I decided to do Colorado Trail after that. So
0: explain what Colorado oh, Trail is. Which is just,
2: it's like seven or 800 Ks of single track. <laughs> through the rocky mountains um it's hard it's really 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 hard um and again i had no idea what i was in for and the yeah it was it was that four hardest days of my life um and i really limped through that mm. and fin- you break
0: you break broke the record no, no you didn't
2: because halfway through oh, I, yeah, so I, done, I, I just was, stopped yeah. and and had a like slept for like eight hours which you don't <laughs> do in those things and it was just like i'm just going to enjoy this one um and then like started going faster again the last day and yeah. was like maybe i could get this and then the last night all my lights failed.
0: uh that's right yeah
2: and i ended up like taping my iphone um to my handlebar bag and yeah. like using that and yeah. like
0: you almost like cr- i love the fact the way you're almost making these into expeditions there
2: was no reason th- that was the first i knew i'd gone too far on that one yeah. um like i put myself in just in situations where i was like i'm way off the deep end here and there's no safety net it uh, sounds like
1: the next time you're doing this you turn up without a bike <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. God, i
2: forgot the bike <laughs> Mate, this i'm just was gonna run it yeah no that was a real um that was like an eye-opening thing to, you guys get scared that, oh was ja- yeah scared Probably for like scared. a lot of it yeah uh, and also like it scared um rage my family like there was yeah, a few okay. i, I yeah. kind of really uh jumped in the deep end on that one Some deep and i loved it like yeah. and i'll go back yeah. and do it again yeah. but um but like it's it's w- it's really um it's cool to know the people who do these things mm. are really good at them yeah you know, and you can't just be no. good at peddling and go and expect to <laughs> break these records like these, these people are. Yeah,
0: they're, they're, pro- yeah. they're, they're legit. And then uh, to kind of, I guess, and to put this all in perspective, that's in one year. If we, yeah. within that year, you've then, you broke the, which I guess to, what's becoming, and this is not, I don't want to use this at all, belittling, the every man can relate to the everesting challenge yeah because so many people are kind of doing it for charity and they can kind of put it in perspective Mm. and then you went out uh, a month ago uh, and broke the record and then they were like no it's not official so can you tell us about that trip that's nuts yeah
2: I mean that became like a because we were locked down right there's there's only so much you could do Mm. Um, and JV my boss kind of like um put the, planted the seed, I guess you would say, Um, and he sort of challenged me to go and do it, and Mm. that's his, um, his genius is knowing how to push people's buttons, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, For good and bad. Yeah, and (laughs) like, to to get the most out of it, and he, he like, perfectly, Mm. but like, subtly put it in there, Mm. so I didn't feel like I had to do it, but I also knew I had to (laughs) to. Prove it. Yeah, so then... Uh, I spent like a week sort of trying to find a hill Mm. and then um, it sort of started to become like a thing like we were on this group chat and like the more it became like um, closer to racing I was sort of like oh I don't want (laughs) to so then I was just like one night I was like dad do you want to go do it tomorrow and he was just like yeah let's go do it so we just got in the car the next morning at four in the morning and went and did it Um, and yeah, for whatever re- I don't know how. They basically go off of like a Strava segment mm-hmm. and there was like an a inaccuracy in the Strava segment. Yeah. And so I, d- I didn't actually get it. <laughs> um, and it was like, I wasn't angry or like, mm-hmm. I just knew I was like, I have to do it again oh. immediately. Yeah. And you know when something like that's so fresh in your head, yeah. like you've just ridden... Mm-hmm seven and a half hours on this same hill yeah and it's so different than expedition style racing where there's something going on yeah it's just the same thing um so mentally it's really difficult because you just get worse and you can compare yourself
0: well you know you've got your ghost the ghost (laughs) of yourself (laughs) always there constantly and
2: the ghost like it just because you're doing it for such a long period of time you're a shell of your first lap self yeah (laughs) You hate your first lap, guys, you know, like by the end. Um, So, just knowing I had to go do it like again, with it so fresh in my head how hard it was, I was like, oh man. So, I just immediately like took two days off Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, I'll just go do it again. (laughs) So, went and did it again. Um, And it was actually, it's not easier. Mentally, it was easier the second time around. Yeah. Just because I mm-hmm. knew what to expect. Yeah. And I had, like, I had like a good motivation. You know, like yeah, sometimes you had to that little fire in the belly, it. you need a bit mm-hmm. of
0: that. And what's interesting about all these things is, is um, and and it's really smart, because it's, it's coined the alternative calendar. Uh, what you're doing, which you're championing, which you've essentially been leading, I think, within the team and with with Simon Mottram at the beginning and the discussions you had with Rafa, et cetera. And yet, because of the way cycling's now changing, it's actually something that's a lot more relatable to people, and it's a bigger story, and it's actually getting more coverage than racing. So at a pure commercial, marketing, if we go to the brutality of why a pro team even exists, I think there was there's that conflict where, as you might say, an old school school will go, "Well, you're a novelty. Why are we doing this?" You know, you can now actually say, "Well, why are we doing this?" If we go to the actual marketing media, co- the media coverage we've got from all of these things, it's bigger than anything else we're doing, and that's really telling about how cycling is changing.
2: Yeah, and I think um, that was always the the plan behind it. Mm. Um, Like, from a selfish level, it's what I wanted to do. And, like, that's why it's authentic, I guess, is because I'm just doing what I I really want to do. Mm. I also knew out of, like, a, I guess, a byproduct of that is this is going to... There's a lot of people out there who who ride bikes and are involved in cycling who don't relate to professional men's cycling, right? Um, Like, I'm in it and I don't relate to it and this the idea was like this can create that that bridge I guess um and I think a lot of people thought it's like oh they're trying to create the bridge to bring people into professional cycling when I I think the reality is it's the other way around it kind of gives us um like people involved in in professional cycling a chance to branch out into the the greater world of cycling um which i mean in my opinion like the the purpose of of professional sport is it's got to be to inspire and show what's possible right um like it's it's to serve the people who are participating and to to give them inspiration in in what they do um and i think there's been like a a departure from that um yeah. to where there's a lot of professional sports, and it's not just cycling, but there's there's a lot of professional sport that is sort of self-serving, yeah. Um, and there's no there's no way to to participate, um, and so I think in in that regard, like sport has to evolve, mm. um, and I like I'm not out here saying like I'm creating the change, <laughs> but I hope it's just like a very small example of like people can yeah. say, ah, oh, well maybe it is possible to do this a different way yeah yeah well i think you but are you also inspiring.
1: showcase other sides of yourself i think in that so it's not just oh he's that fast he can drive that many watts it's also he drinks beer and he talks about other stuff and he has a brother and what you know but it goes back to it.
2: like the you were saying earlier like you, the whole idea behind this podcast um like you and i both know there's guys who seem from the outside super boring in professional sport and they're really interesting people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, you room with them and you're like, this guy's amazing, yeah. <laughs> but well, no one knows it. Yeah. They're right? like reading
0: an amazing book and you're like, you read? Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. You're like, I can't imagine you reading. What are you reading? Um, but like, I think the way that, um, The traditional like sponsorship model works is it's just it's results based right Mm -hmm. so it's like the team wants it to be really Mm -hmm. simple and that you're like okay you give me two million bucks and we'll go win a stage of the tour de france and then we'll call it good you know and the team's like okay well our name was on new jersey Mm. that's that um when i think there's so many other interesting like the story behind it is really interesting you know so if there's if the sponsor was like well okay you might win a stage of the tour and that'll be a great story but it's also a really interesting story to watch potential failure yeah and see what that looks like from Mm -hmm. the inside and see how that affects people but it requires the athletes to be open and honest um, and it requires teams to allow that access um which i think it's 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 important yeah. i mean and it's the same way that like uh i didn't i, I mean I, I just watched the michael jordan documentary right yeah and, and i was like i mean he was already winning championships or nearly winning championships when i was born but i can watch that and it's really interesting because you get it really honestly like yeah. insight into an athlete's life and mm-hmm. it's and that makes it relevant now mm-hmm. you're like yeah, that's a guy playing basketball yeah. like almost 30 years ago yeah
0: yeah I mean it's always it's just history repeating isn't
2: it right so I think um, but as you say you have to be you like talked re- about
1: inspiring people who are not pro writers sure and I think it, it, it goes for almost all sport really but everybody knows the little devil inside you to say no I can't do that No, it's sure. too hard no I'm too tired I better stop now I better slow down I can do it tomorrow yeah. Uh, and I think it's not a small thing, it's a big devil, right? <laughs> yeah. That everybody knows. And I think the way you do it, you, you show through your vulnerability yeah, that how you deal with that, right? Uh, whether that's taking an eight hour nap, as you talked about, or whether that is, you know, I'll get o- over it, or I'll cry, or, yeah. I'll, you know, uh, v- say I hate my life, and then go on. I mean, you know, but, but I think that is very, because you get behind the, the glamour of they're just super people these athletes right Uh, super super humans but
2: you're really not we're just humans yes totally true and I think you forget that when you're inside of the sport for so long Hmm. that um, you forget people have that I guess opinion of you yeah Um, and it also like I think you kind of grow into that being like I can't show weakness you know what I mean? Like, y- you have that feeling of like vulnerability is, is a weakness mm. when the reality is it's just human nature, right? Um, and the more people can relate to you, but just as a person, mm. I think the more interesting it is. <laughs> but it requires you just being honest, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, thank you, Lachlan. That's yeah. been amazing. Maybe and just
1: one last question. It's the last one. Sure where do you think you are in 10 years oh man i've got no idea what what would if you can decide
2: um i would love to be involved with bikes for my whole life um i would like to think in 10 years that doesn't mean uh i'm necessarily involved in professional racing um but as to what that looks like i really don't know i think like I get the most enjoyment now out of. um, We were even talking about it today, like putting roots together, Mm. um, like curating like uh, an experience, I guess, for someone else. Like they can come and you can show them a ride, and that's really rewarding. Yeah, and they don't know you've, as we said, might have spent five years piecing this (laughs) amazing loop together, and they think you've just knocked it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um.
2: So I mean, I, I think. Like that's kind of where my skill set lies, mm-hmm. and I get enjoyment out of it. So I'd like to think it's something around that. But do you think? Do you um, think
0: with that? I mean, I'll just carry on. So it's. Do you think you've you've uh, you're at peace with the bike now? Totally.
2: Yeah. Um. Like. That's when I wake up. The main thing I want to do is go and ride, mm. in some form. Yeah. Um, and like spend as much time doing that as I can so I think that's kind of that's where I'm most happy yeah. um, and that's a big chunk of what makes me happy yeah. um, which I think is nice if you can like have something so simple make up so much of your contentness
1: Yeah, perfect, But thanks for talking to us no it was worries. really insightful and uh, ta- thanks for taking the time
2: no worries mate too easy